بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه إمام عبد الله الحداد may Allah have mercy on him is considered the reviver of the 12th Islamic century his teachings have a profound impact in reaching the heart such that he was called Haddad al-Qulub the heartsmith in this series we engage in brief readings from his various works and discuss their wisdom and impact on our lives. Welcome to our next episode of the Heartsmith podcast. This is a podcast in which that we look at and study sections from the great books of Imam Abdullah bin Ali Haddad, the 12th century scholar from Hadramaut, whose works really that are the epitome of what is considered to be al-nafi' and official knowledge. So in this, this session that we look at various passages from these blessed works of his offering like commentary. And that we usually begin with Yasin and then we start right into the reading of his blessed books. So inshallah the first book that we will start with is An-Nasayih al-Diniyya wal-Wasaya al-Imaniyya. It's Councils of Religion uh, in English. And we're on page 81 of the English. And for those following along with the Arabic and they're easily downloadable from the internet. We're on page 147. In Kitab Know, O brothers, may Allah make us and you of those who purify themselves, mention the name of their Lord and pray, and do not prefer the life of this world over the next, for the next is better and more enduring. The zakat is one of the five pillars of Islam. And Allah has bound it to the ritual prayer in his august book. He says, establish the ritual prayer and give out the zakat. Whatever good you send ahead for yourselves, you shall find it with Allah. Truly, Allah sees what you do. And he says, describing his faithful servants, those who establish the ritual prayer and expend of what we have given them, those are the believers in truth. And he says, exalted is he. And the believers, men and women, are allies to each other. They enjoin good, forbid evil, establish the ritual prayer, pay the zakat, and obey Allah and His Messenger. To those shall Allah show compassion. Allah is august, wise. So uh, Imam al-Haddad is pointing out these verses from the Qur'an where you see zakat associated with prayer. And it just crossed my mind as soon as we began the chapter on zakat. We have a retreat coming up uh, on zakat. So this is very timely. It's a good time to uh, hear Imam Haddad speak about zakat. But uh, yes, yeah, so there's aqimul salat wa'atu zakat. Establish the prayer and give 
your zakah. And they establish zakah, and they also give zakah. Um, so this uh, indicates uh, the importance and the connection. I think one of the ways you can understand that is, even though prayer has a social dimension, you know, praying in congregation, the Tadawih prayer, many of the supragatory prayers that you pray with other people, Salat Juma is an obvious example. Uh, but really, it's the connection between you and Allah. Whereas giving out from your wealth is clearly establishing the importance of religious practice insofar as it relates to people and taking care of their needs and things like that. Society. وقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من كان يؤمن بالله ويوم الآخر فليؤدي زكاة ماله. And the Messenger of Allah, may Allah's blessings and peace be upon him, said, He who believes in Allah and His Messenger, let him pay the zakat due on his possessions. His words imply that he who does not is not a believer. One of the things that comes to, to my mind, and you know, maybe he's going to touch on you know, throughout this section, many important adab of zakat, I think a lot of people... Uh, mistakenly think, oh, I'm already paying so many taxes, you know, and depending upon how much you make, you could be in different brackets. But I think some people, unfortunately, think that, oh, I'm already paying taxes, so that's my zakat. Or they could just kind of <laughs> say that, oh, I gave charity at such yeah. and such a time. Yeah. I'm just going to retroactively consider, consider that zakat. But it's it's very clear that what, whoever believes in Allah, that you add zakat to this is something we have to be aware of. We have to know uh, in relation to our wealth what it is zakatable, what, what, what is the zakatable amount, what uh, types of wealth have zakat on it. This is very serious. This is a pillar of Islam, subhanAllah. One of the things that Imam uh, Al-Ghazali says that I'm sure Imam Haddad is going to also mention is actually looking at it as a blessing and an opportunity. Number one, a person who's able to give zakat, that's already a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That you're not have a surplus. Yeah. Exactly. That you have enough. And on top of that, is I there's a there's a pillar of Islam that I can now draw closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through. It's the most beloved of acts to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So looking at it as as a as a beautiful yeah. opportunity, yeah. yes. And not like a burden. Oh, right. I gotta. <laughs> right. right. You can't, you know, get an accountant between you and Allah so right there. Before the government. And the man salla wa sama wa hadja wa lam yuzaki malu lam yakbali lahu lahu salatan wa la siyam wa hajjan hadja yukhriz la zakah. La ilaha illallah. Know that he who prays, fasts, goes on pilgrimage, but does not pay the zakat due on his possessions, Allah shall accept from him neither his prayers, nor his fasts, nor his pilgrimage, until he does, i.e. until he gives his zakat. Wow, that's a very powerful statement there, subhanAllah. Mm. The whole deen is interwoven. Mm. And I remember just in terms of uh, you know, the concept of ma'lumin al-deen bil-durura, what is necessarily known uh, to be of the religion. And uh, Habib Abdurrahman bin Abdullah bin Fakih explains that, that denying the part is like denying the whole because it's all one. So mm. if you deny a part of something that you know is a part of the deen, it's like denying it's the all whole. those other things. And in a similar vein here, it's like 
all of these acts of worship have a particular wisdom and purpose and function and uh, you, you can't really have one without the other that's that's that is a hell of a law like the acceptance of your prayer is Related conditional to upon you subhanallah uh, and, I, and I think you know uh, especially for those living outside of Muslim countries no one's going to press you to pay your zakat mm. right? the years will pass and no one's going to you know you might be reminded of it from time to time at the masjid if you're even going to the masjid and no one's going to press you so it's one of those things that we have to be very proactive regarding and yeah. um, I think it's a really good idea to, um, once you determine what day it is that you'll be paying zakat on an annual basis, put it in your calendar. Mm -hmm. And like set, you know, you set those reminders mm -hmm. for like two weeks or a month ahead of time, like, oh, I have to pay zakat mm -hmm. in two weeks. And it mm -hmm. gives you plenty of time to, it's very easy to forget. Yeah. And it's according to the Hijri, the Hijri calendar. Exactly. That's another really important the, not the solar calendar, the Gregorian. But now I guess they have these apps. Like, well, I guess even on like iCalendars at least you can yeah. add the. Uh, the Hijri. Can I, so I know Google. Uh, Google, the oh, Google calendar. That, that was like a one. nod, like yeah, yeah, of course, like <laughs> Android. Like, Apple took it from Android, right? Yeah. That's yeah. Android's but that's, not a company anyway. That was how you speak of it. But anyhow. No, but that is really important because I think I think a lot of times people might not know that fact, or they might. Uh, but even just to have that reminder, you know, if there was a, an extremely important appointment or like a surgery or something that was like critical to your life, you would have all different kinds of things right. set up in a way to facilitate that. So, yeah. So, um, but this is the most critical, yeah. the daily appointments of prayer and then the annual appointments of zakat and Om. fasting. But I learned that from you, and I appreciate it, just even having it in the calendar of just, you know, whether it's in Ramadan or Rajab or whenever it is for you, just to always have it um, tied to that time of year in the Hijri calendar. This is because these are all connected together. Allah does not accept part of them unless the rest are performed. As the Messenger of Allah وسلم, is reported to have said. We're just going to get into the types of wealth as we have zakat on, inshallah. Now we are reading from Al-Da'wa We are on page 160 of the Arabic. So the complete summons and general reminder, and we are on the in the second paragraph on page 92. As for circulating unsound currency, or fake currency, it is cheating and it is forbidden. It is nothing but a kind of deceit that religion prohibits. Exception is when it is the currency and normal use in the country. It's when coins are consistently mixed with copper or other such metals and everyone is using it. 
ولكن متى خالفه البعض منه بزيادة الغش فيه أو بكونه نحاسا خالصا لم يجزي له أن يروجه على الناس ويدخله في جملة النقد الذي يتعاملون عليه However, a certain coin contain a larger proportion of such metals than usual, then it is forbidden to pass them off as the usual kind and mix them with the coins they normally use, for this would be cheating and deception. فإن ذلك من من منه غش ومخادع وعلى من وقع إليه شيء من النقد الذي هذه صفته أن يتلفه بأن يلقيه في بئر ونحوه ونحو ذلك من وجوه الائتلاف. In his possession, such coins fall. Should destroy them either by throwing them in a well or in any other matter or manner, or else take them to someone who could separate the silver in them from the copper, so that each can be used according to its value. أو يذهب إلى من يستخلص مقدار الفضة منه وما بقي من النحاس ونحوه يكون له قيمة على قدره. وأما الذي يكون في أصله نحاسا خالصا فلا يدخله بين الدراهم التي تكون فيها الفضة. مما يتعامل عليه الناس فإن فعل ذلك فقد غش وخدع وما يخدعون إلا أنفسهم وما يشعرون. He should not mix pure copper coins with those that are partly silver, for this too would be cheating and deception. They deceive only themselves, though they are unaware. It's hard for to not bring up the topic of paper money yeah. or cryptocurrency, which is even. Cryptocurrencies now and all of these things that are carrying. You know that uh, for the longest time is that uh, paper money was tied to that attached to actual physical gold. Mm. And then once that was detached, then this gives uh, the governments an ability to play with currencies. And economic warfare is one of the very, I think we were talking about that in a previous episode, mm. is a very real and serious thing. Anyhow, he's speaking here in the pre modern context where they actually. Had gold coins and silver coins, um, but uh, you know there's a corollary there between the way that people are playing with currency nowadays. Yeah. And, you know, just drop interest rates and these type of things and all these very complex things that they do in, in economics. I had a lot, and people suffer. And one night, like right now in Yemen, yeah. um, a friend just told me recently that so when I when we were studying there, a hundred dollars was. I think like twenty something thousand Yemeni rials, which mm -hmm. is still yeah, you know, a big gap. A big gap. You know, the rial was weak. And then the last time we were kind of there last year, it was yeah, it was uh, it was yeah, close to even a hundred thousand. It got close to in the ninety thousands. Really? Now it just their, their currency plummeted further. So it's like a hundred fifty thousand, one hundred dollars is a hundred fifty thousand Yemeni rials. And then you think that oh, it's not a problem. Everything is going to Adjust accordingly. So food goes up, but wages stay the same. Stay pretty much the same. Yeah. I remember when I was there, uh, you know, a typical salary would be like thirty-five thousand rials, mm -hmm. which was like a hundred and something dollars, hundred yeah. whatever, thirty dollars or whatever. Um, and people got by fine on that because there's a lot of people the way they live. But now the friend who I was speaking to told me that you have a lot of Tahitians that only eat one meal because the, the the food prices are so expensive. Their salaries remain the same, and it's like subhanallah. Like, what's happening where currencies can just you know plummet like that? Yeah. Whereas if you have gold, actual gold, yeah, it's not gonna. It's different, yeah, more silver. And even just one thing, I think, to also take away from this is just 
you know, imams like Imam al-Haddad, and in this section he's really talking about da'wah towards people in commerce and business and so forth, is to be on the side of caution, to, to realize that, you know, in our deen, playing the system or finding these ways of, uh, is, you know, at the very least, something you should be uh, cautious of, if not forbidden. You know, but, and in today's world, Leave what causes you to doubt for something that has no doubt in it. It's clear, especially in today's world, it's so hard to keep up with what's clear and what's not clear. I really would like to see that in our community. You know, Muslims who have studied Islamic law well, and here you're going to have to study the different schools when you get into commercial transactions and the complexities of modern economics. But someone who's kind of specialized in, and maybe there's a few examples of people that have, uh, but can really offer good solutions mm -hmm. and advice to people mm -hmm. where to invest their money mm -hmm. so they don't have to just go to your you know, average broker that you know, doesn't care what company that they invest your money in mm -hmm. and so forth. You know? Or that those companies are making money off of interest and how yeah. that plays into right. And the ethical nature of the company that you're investing in and so yeah. forth. And like you said, it's like you might not get the same return, You might they might not be as lucrative as a deal, but it's your dean. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be barakah. Go for the barakah over the... Exactly. The... So the other way, I'm not going to give you barakah. What was that? Yeah, I just read recently. Um, it was talking about one of the... Oh, it's actually the next hadith going to take in Rehala Salihin. Mm -hmm. And how um, essentially if you hide a defect in the product you're selling, mm -hmm. there'll be no defect. Oh, there'll be no barakah in the transaction. Mm -hmm. And the commentator is something Ajib. He said, and one of the manifestations of there being no barakah is that you'll have hasad. You'll have people uh -huh. that, that are envious of you for the transaction, which then might affect something. So it's like there's so many dimensions of lack of blessing that we don't think of. Mm -hmm. Whereas if there's barakah, you might be protected from the, All the hasad, awesome. the envy, or... Uh -huh the ill-wisher or whatever the, you know, those just there's dimensions that we don't necessarily even uh, think of, subhanAllah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I forgot that this actually, yeah, this is a Dawah Tamil, but he's speaking, he's, mm. he's, he's giving us how it is that we should address these matters with, you know, yeah, merchants, farmers, and crops. We're doing it right. I remember uh, in Tarim, it was, you know, it's one of the very beautiful things. We tend to sometimes think of like Deen in Dunya in the sense that um, your work life is Dunya mm -hmm. and you have Deen. And we got to be, I think, a little bit careful mm -hmm. in that. Like, yeah, there, if you're doing too much of your work life such that it's harming your Deen, mm -hmm. okay, then it's more Dunya, like in the negative sense. Yeah. But like working to support a family, working hard to support a family is an honorable thing. Your fisa yeah. you're fulfilling a fard kifaya, a communal obligation. And there's a lot of merit in it. So uh, the, the idea that our, our teachers uh, are trying to revive crafts mm. and trades mm. and tijara, like what we would call in America, like small business mm -hmm. and um, vocations, yeah. Yeah. is a really beautiful thing. Like Because people usually think, oh, that's religious people don't get involved in that yeah they get involved best in the mosque but uh, it's it's clearly a part you know of the, of the dawahs yeah 
especially it seems that it's just really tied to kind of having an independence so that you're not uh, you're not controlled by the system so that you actually have economic independence to a degree where your deen is safe you're not told what to, you nobody's telling you if you can or cannot pray juma that's not a question right. or that you have to take this kind of transaction there's so much um, yeah so that that's actually again you know like as we mature as a community we need people to kind of specialize in these areas mm -hmm. and to articulate them in a very clear way so when someone's making that decision at age 16 17 18 mm -hmm. early 20s what their career path is going to be um, they can have someone who can advise them and walk them through oh if you go this route this is what you need to be aware of oh this is a very good profession that you can support yourself and a family and at the same time you have flexibility but this you want you know walking people through like okay if you're going to be a carpenter nowadays what what are the things that you need to be aware of and uh what are some of the advantages what are the, some of the things that you need to uh, potentially consider if you're going to enter into medical school if you're going to whatever work at a corporation uh, I, it would just be really nice to kind of get beyond the generalities but we're like very specifically advising people on oh this is a great path like if you want to maintain your deen, but at the same time, this is a... Yeah, absolutely. And what things the community needs and the quality of work over just the degree. If someone's going to actually do whatever they're going to do with ihsan and with a, a level of excellence and integrity, they're going to stand out, even if they are, you know, what we might consider, um, you know, jobs that don't require graduate degrees, like, a, like you said, a carpenter or a mechanic. Some of those things with Atfan. Yeah, I think that's where we just re need to like, reframe it and educate our community. We're, it's so um, infiltrated by culture mm. in terms of how people look at certain professions. You know, mm. We don't have to mention the normal professions that everyone mentions. Um, but it's so infiltrated by that perspective. Like there's um, detailed discussions in the books of Fiqh about what is the what are, what are the very best ways to earn a living. What is the like, greatest cusp? Is it agriculture? Is it tijara? Or is it yanchaka? And it's like, um, those were, scholars dealt with those issues. And, and there's going to be a difference of opinion, of course. But seeing you know, what they said as a starting point across the different schools and so forth, what have the ulama said about earning a living? Yeah. And then kind of relating it to our, our world. And then empowering people where uh, people might want to enter into a vocation that is looked down upon by some people well that's their you know that's a problem if people are looking down upon something that is really honorable exactly especially if the dean calls it honorable that we have to change those cognitive frames exactly. yeah yeah wow. and I, I you know i've thought about i've thought about before it's like it's really amazing because you make decisions when you're young, mm -hmm. like in your 18, mm -hmm. early 20s. And those decisions stay with you. Yeah. The repercussions of those decisions of your life. stay with you the rest of your life. This is like when you're thinking about, you know, college, career, and a little bit later for most people, marriage and things like that. And it's just, if you think about it, like decisions that we all made back then affected what the we're experiencing right now. You know, mid 30s, early 40s, whatever, um, and, and it's just how important is it to have 
able to advise you like at that yeah. stage it could it could make you know yeah. all the difference really yeah i mean in all honesty i you know i didn't know what law school was even like like i applied to law school because it was one of those things like you're either going to be this that or the other but i never even sat in on a, on a class like i didn't even really know the full repercussions of that decision what it would be to like once you yeah what's you your life going to be like as a lawyer what's uh you know what different types of law and everyone goes in i remember even in law school a lot of people come in wanting to help others but then when they incur so much debt they go for the corporate jobs so it's kind of like <laughs> even knowing that if you want to be a public defender if you want to do things that are pro bono you know, you're actually not going to make a lot of money and you're going to incur a lot of debt in the process. So is there another way that you can help people that's more... That's a big one. The debt. The, yeah. yeah. That's associated with learning. That's a big one. But like you said, you end up having to then just not necessarily sell out in all cases, but sometimes you sell out. A lot of people do. Right? You sell out your principles. You yeah. sell out your dean. Because uh, you so in debt. Yes. But these, are, these are big. It's really hard to be young yeah <laughs> it really is like what our, our children are having to face now you know i remember i remember one thing that i went to a pre-law kind of similar seminar and i remember the guy said he said if you have an itch you better scratch it before law school mm -hmm. i said i have to go to teddy before law school <laughs> You have an issue, better scratch. Yeah, he said, if you have time, you even scratch yourself. Yeah, yeah. Like if you have this, you know, desire yeah. to do something, you know. So Subhanallah, I, but even that experience of having. But it know, just shows you then. And look, your experience then, it was life changing. Exactly. You took a complete career change. Exactly. <laughs> and at first, I'm sure it was there was some tension. But then, Mashallah, you. Alhamdulillah. You went to. Alhamdulillah. And then you're doing what you. But it's like when you do what you love doing, yeah. don't consider it work. Exactly. Right. And that also for people to realize. Yeah, I remember. Working in dunya we sense. Yeah. yeah. I remember even Dr. Jackson one time saying to a group of people, you know, about this. He said, you want all the best and brightest to be in a particular set of fields. He said, we need the best and brightest for our dean. We need to dedicate some of the best and brightest of our children. And now even in the seminary. You know, people who are have potential, they're intelligent, they're dynamic. We need those people to serve the the community. So even just changing that frame, you know, and realizing that it's noble, it's not, oh, you're just gonna be some, you know, whatever people have in their minds. But quite the opposite. Okay, so we'll look at al Fasul al Ilmiana. Which is knowledge and wisdom, and we're on page 63 of the English translation. We're on the second paragraph of page 80 in the Arabic. ثم علم رحمك الله أنه يذكر عن جماعات من أهل الصلاة والتصوف أمور قد تفهم ترك الاقتصار ومجاوزة حد الوسط وذلك في العبادة بالاكثار منها وفي العادات بالمجانبة لها. Uh, then no, and this is speaking about the golden mean, the middle way. 
then know, may Allah have mercy on you, that some people of virtue and Sufism have been said to do things which one may think go beyond moderation and the limits of the middle way, being overzealous in their acts of worship while reducing their habitual things to such an extent as to reach the limits of human endurance. If they are people of beginnings, these things are taken to indicate their resolution to discipline the soul, train it, refine its character, and reduce its density. حتى تستقيم على ما يراد منها من الركوب والعمل بأن يقل لها من العلف وتكلف من الأعمال من العمل فوق ما تطيق إلى أن تنقاد ويذهب جماحها. This can be achieved satisfactory only by means which may resemble immoderation and overstepping the limits. For the soul, for the nafs, is like an unruly, obstinate animal which can only be tamed and trained for riding and work by reducing its fodder and imposing hard tasks on it. <clears throat> when it loses its willfulness and becomes compliant, then it is led back to the middle way. This is the explanation of all that is said about such people early in their careers, and these are sound practices quite compatible with wisdom and correct management. I think this is this is very important because this is one of the things that people criticize the mm. Sufis for. Mm. You know, they'll read books uh, of the Sufis, it's even in the Ahya, mm. you know, very austere spiritual struggles that people do. And I think it's it has to be contextualized. And, you know, someone might not even concentrate in their prayer and they're like, okay, well, why am I reading this? And um, <clears throat> I think it's very important to understand one, just reading that about them, knowing that there are special people so that we love them, is benefit in and of itself. Like just learning about these people and respecting them and loving them, mm -hmm. you benefit from it. Um, but then it doesn't mean that you go out and you do the same thing. Mm -hmm. You have to look at yourself and the stories are there for inspiration so that you can then do in your own life. Okay, you might not be able to only eat a small bit for several days <clears throat> but you can stop two bites short mm -hmm. you can go from three full meals to two and a half meals you can go from eating whatever 100 bites to 80 bites. any there's ways that you can emulate them mm -hmm. in our time and that's why they just need to be contextualized mm -hmm. but unfortunately they get a, a bad rap for some of the things that are mentioned there yeah but even subhanAllah, if people look at the Sahaba, even the states of the Sahaba were not all exactly the same. You had Ahlul Sufa, you had you know, people who were working and, and so forth. And, um, and the Prophet he allowed for that, those varied approaches and, and focuses. Sayyidina Omar, they used to mention that he used to have how many bites? Like, it's in the Ahya, I think uh, it was like, like a number of bites. It was like a specific, I forget the exact number, it was like 11 bites. Mm -hmm. He brought it down to like seven or something like that. Like morsels that he yeah. would. Um, but you know, it, yeah, it's in the it's the Sahabas. Sayyidina mm -hmm. Abu Dhar. Mm -hmm. Not like, uh, you know, the other people who yeah, had exactly. responsibilities like, of governance and yeah. so forth. Sayyidina Musa bin Umair completely left. Wow. Couldn't even. He died with not even a shroud being able to 
And then the Prophet prays sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If you read his story, it's like, la ilaha illallah. Yeah. And these were, they were special for a reason. You know, so I think in, I think it's sometimes people, there's this, this thing that where people just, if I can't be like that, then it can't be right. But it's quite the opposite. We love, you know, people in society, they love superhero stories. They're like that. They're the awliya. Exactly. They inspire you. <laughs> they inspire you. No, but like people really, you love no, them. but there really is a lot of people saying that we shouldn't even mention these stories. Because you're like, you you know, you're creating a standard that no one mm. can live up to. And I, I just think it needs to be clarified why we mention the stories. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's not only so that we do the exact same thing. No. We take the principle of it, we bring it into our lives, but just, you know, when you, when you love these people and you respect them, then you want to be like them. Yeah. But you just can't make the mistake like, oh, I'm going to jump to that exactly. degree. Like, is anyone going to do that with like a professional athlete? Yeah. Right. You're inspired. Like we're, we're inspired by excellence. Yeah. Like people that can, I will never be able to dunk, but right. I can enjoy. Right. But you can like get like, <laughs> I, there's something I can never jump in. Yeah, so I used to get these strength shoes mm. that I used to work on. Like there's like these, you know, there's these like extra platforms on, mm. underneath the toe, mm. and just paying in that they help you jump a little bit higher. Yeah, much but on. we admire that, right? But it, again, yeah, it probably made me jump higher yeah. than what I was, but I still never had, you know, forty inch vertical or whatever. And it was like, <laughs> Inshallah. But then also, I think one thing is when you have a qualified master like a sheikh who really knows these things it's not to like self um you know to self kind of uh, apply these things but rather to actually consult with you know people who are uh you know imams in this and even when it comes to for example like a diet if someone isn't is ill say, okay you can't have like any carbs until your you know blood sugar level gets to a certain point and you can have a little bit mm. so we apply that to health we apply that to exercise well people do keto diet or this diet just to get out of you know being borderline diabetic or whatever it may be so that diet might be extreme until you get healthier right. then you can have then you can find that that balance and i think that's kind of what imam al haddad is saying is that they realize that in order to uh, fix some of those things in the nafs, yeah. you have to take an extreme approach yeah, of her. Exactly. The goal is to get balanced. Yeah. Yeah. The Prophet was the most balanced and He took part in many of the permissible things of this world, but he's entirely detached from them. We're now on Risalat uh, al-Mu'awana on page 123 of the Arabic. This is the book of assistance for this chapter 22 on enjoining good and forbidding evil. إِلَىٰ قَالَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ وَنْفَعَنَ اللَّهُ بِفَصْلٌ وَعَلَيْكَ بِالْأَمْرِ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَالنَّهِ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ فَإِنَّهُ الْقُطْبُ الَّذِي عَلَيْهِ مَدَارَ أَمْرِ الدِّينِ You must enjoin good and forbid evil, for this is the pivot around which religion revolves. وَلِأَجْلِهِ and it is the reason why Allah revealed his books and sent his messengers. 
It is considered a duty by the consensus of all Muslims. And a great many passages in the book and Sunnah enjoin it and warn us about its neglect. قال الله تعالى ولتكن منكم أمة يدعون إلى الخير ويأمرون بالمعروف وينهون عن المنكر وأولئك هم المفلحون. Allah the Exalted has said, let there be from among you a nation who invite to goodness, enjoin beneficent acts, and forbid reprehensible ones. Such are they who are successful. وقد وصف الله المؤمنين في غير موضع من كتابه بالأمر بالمعروف والنهي عن المنكر. وقادم وصفهم به في بعض المواضع على الإيمان وفي بعضها على إقامة الصلاة وإيتاء الزكاة. In many contexts, Allah has attributed enjoining good and forbidden evil to the believers. On some occasions, even before attributing faith to them, and on others before mentioning the regular performance of prayers and the giving of zakat. وقال تعالى لعن الذين كفروا من بني إسرائيل على لسان داود وعيسى وعيسى بن مريم. ذلك بما عصوا وكانوا يعتدون كانوا لا يتناهون عن منكر فعلوه لبئس ما كانوا يفعلون Allah the exalted as he says those of the children of Israel who disbelieved were cursed by the tongue of David and Jesus son of Mary because they rebelled and used to transgress they restrained not one another from the wickedness they did indeed evil was what they used to do وقال تعالى واتقوا فتنة لا تصيبن الذين ظلموا منكم خاصة الآية. And Allah says, and guard yourselves against a chastisement which cannot fall exclusively on those of you who do wrong. وقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من رأى منكم منكرا فليغيره بيده فإن لم يستطع فبلسانه فإن لم يستطع فبقلبه وذلك أضعف الإيمان. The Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم has said, any one of you who sees an and uh, any one of you who sees a reprehensible thing should change it with his hands. If he is unable to, then with his tongue. If he is unable to, then with his heart, which thing is the weakest degree of faith. Okay, I'm there. I've, I've uh, thought uh, a bit about this, about how best to translate the concept of mm. and, and I think when we say in English, a very literal translation to say, enjoining good and forbidding evil. I'm not saying it's a wrong translation, but sometimes I think when we just hear that and it's not explained to us um, in with the proper frame, mm. that it could be misunderstood mm. or it could be limiting. Mm. Mm. So I, I really think we need to spend some time. I'm not saying that I fully figured it out, but I think we need to think about the broader context. Mm. What why is it so important? It's no one, I'm, we're not doubting its importance. Mm -hmm. And why on some occasions is Allah even mentioned this before attributing faith to them mm -hmm. and before the performance of prayers and the giving mm -hmm. of zakat. And I think you have to start approaching the topic of you know, love and mm -hmm. hate for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. Mm -hmm. um, I think you have to start approaching the topic of um, that calling to good, either you're calling to something or you're being called and so forth. I think so. I think there is uh, other topics that you really have to get into to clarify the way yeah. it needs to be clarified. Yeah. And then even maybe something like calling to what is good and discouraging what is wrong or something like that because it, it then opens up a broader.
Thank you for listening to one of Al Maqasid's online educational offerings. Our mission at Al Maqasid is to cultivate holistic learning environments rooted in knowledge, devotion, and service by providing full time, part time, online, and community programs. For more information, please visit our website at almaqasid.org and connect with our other online content at almaqasid.org backslash connect.